Thank you for joining the Once Changing the World, which is India's first Future Tech Meets Sustainability podcast. And today I'm delighted and honored to have with me Dr. Jane Thomason, who's a successful entrepreneur, having founded and built a 250 million revenue consulting company. Dr. Jane is a frontier tech and social impact thought leader. recognized in Forbes magazine as blockchain's leading social development evangelist she's awarded the top 10 digital frontier women and UN decade of women quantum impact champion her work is focused on emerging economies and how frontier technologies can accelerate social transformation dr jane is the blockchain advisor to various international organizations such as the world health organization commonwealth secretariat the kerala blockchain academy and many more she is also the author of blockchain technology for global social change blockchaining the world and applied ethics in a digital world so dr jane really appreciate and honored to have you on the podcast why don't we start it's great to be here india you know being uh, a country which is just rearing its head up you know the economic power is becoming giving the opportunity for common man to go ahead and do things so how do you think it's going to change and transform in a country like uh, india blockchain well look i think that there's a there's a number of different ways and and i'm very happy to even use examples of indian startups and indian work that you know that i've been um working with so uh let's start with one which is called emertech and this is in maharashtra where a wonderful indian entrepreneur called garav somashwani has actually onboarded more than 20000 poor farmers and he's helping the farmers create transparency in their supply chains and efficiency in their supply chains get a better deal for the farmers and cut out some of the middlemen in the supply chains and so this is something which he's now growing and building and using it as an education tool for farmers as well so um projects like that can be really important for india because everyone knows that um farmers are really struggling in india and another one which is sort of almost at the other end of the spectrum but i think it's really interesting during the pandemic uh we saw the emergence of play to earn games and in particular in the philippines uh when the government locked the country down people who live on the streets and who who earn cash on the streets every day maybe food vendors and so forth they had no way to earn a living and what uh people discovered in the philippines a community that they could play this game called axi infinity and they could actually earn enough money to put food on the table of their families i mentioned this because i think this is the beginning of a creation of a new economy that never existed before so people can actually earn money through gaming but that is now being developed um not just for play to earn but things like learn to earn exercise to earn to improve people's fitness and again i'm working with a wonderful indian startup um somish solutions who've got an x to earn game called plotex and that's exactly what they're trying to do is saying what can we gamify where people can actually earn money for doing something um of social relevance and importance so they're kind of two ends of the spectrum and then in the middle I'd be wrong not to talk about uh the issue of financial inclusion and I know that um the Indian government uh is is not particularly supportive 
of blockchain, but what it enables people to do is if they simply have a mobile phone, you're able to send value to them, to their mobile phone that they can then use for goods and services or for paying for their kids' school fees. So this is enormously important because we now have 70% uh, of the world's population have access to mobile phones. And uh, I, I went uh, in 2017 to Chattisgarh, actually with Gaurav, who's the supply chain guy, and he was working in Chattisgarh and they were, the government was saying, look, if we buy 5 million cheap mobile phones, can we actually give these to our nomadic tribal people and, and then allow them to be able to use those to access government services? And can we use blockchain to help them access those services? So there are many examples. And then the final one, um, just again to speak about, is around healthcare. And in particular, looking at the possibilities of the metaverse in healthcare. And Apollo Hospitals Group has now partnered with a gaming firm to help them look at how they can use a metaverse to be able to extend and improve their services. So there's so many examples. Um, and I probably have to do the last one, again, calling out another Indian group that I'm working with, um, the Universal Carbon Registry, is around the, the tokenization of carbon credits and encouraging not just through biogas, but also for what villages can do um, for regenerative agriculture or even water, because water is going to be a problem of the future. So the Universal Carbon Registry and a wonderful guy who runs that called Kishore Bhutani are working on tokenizing these carbon credits and allowing them to be sold on the voluntary market so that the people who produce them get a better deal. So I think blockchain is an incredibly powerful democratizing force that if people have the intention, and this is where your point about government is relevant, is people have to see what the possibility is and understand how they can um, enable or help this to grow. And I know, for example, you know, India's got the corporate social responsibility law where companies have to invest a certain amount of money in social responsibility. Imagine if they said, well, you know, 10% of that needs to go into tech for social impact, for example. This issue about how you get investment in tech in India could be, you know, really helped if the government thought, well, they don't even have to give money. They're already telling the corporations that they have to give money for social impact. Say, give it for tech for social impact. You know well, the examples you give. Obviously, you know they, they are so cool. And and now, yes, I I think uh, there's a huge change that's been happening. You know, I mean, so far, I think most of the entrepreneurs who've been doing business have uh, done business in a way where you are extracting maximum value out of the con uh, consumers. You know, because that's capitalism, and you know, that's the way way, way things function. But I think you know the, the new breed of uh, entrepreneurs are leveraging these new technologies and these ethos of these technologies throughout the blockchain. You know, being tra a transparent, trust-based technology, or, or like a metaverse, Web three, or being a technology which says, "Yeah, it's it's gonna uh, take us from a centralized world to a decentralized world where things could be interoperable and open 
Now, the, all, all of these ethos are, are nice, but let's let's dig a little deep deeper into it. You know, because you mentioned about uh, this new economy which is happening. I'm really excited about is you know these play to earn games which could give you know anybody sitting any uh, in any part of the world you know with, with the computer and if you can play things you you could earn learn to earn. I think is such a fantastic uh, ethos behind you know nudging those people to uh, you know learn and i think knowledge is 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 the core of human growth you know if if you learn you will be able to create better businesses and you could become a better uh, person and, and you you gave me examples of you know Emotech and this uh, carbon cap uh, registry uh, universal carbon uh, uh, registry startup uh, out of india no 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 tell me where does the money come from if if you are a startup and if if you are paying uh, to you know play these games if you are paying these uh, students to learn what what's the deeper i mean there has got to be something deeper like i'm sure you mentioned you know we we need more uh, uh, people to come in you know the, the governments to come in the uh, the the tech companies to come in how does a startup do that because that seems to be a mystery would you like to shine light on that Look I I think it it's very hard still always for startups to get money. One of the, one of the things that's possible um in blockchain is doing something which is called a token raise or a token sale. So one of the ways that startups um can raise money is basically by uh telling people what it is they're doing um and working out you know a structure for the token economics and then selling tokens there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of technicalities and um <clears throat> token economics to go with this but they essentially sell the tokens and the people buy the tokens almost as you would have invested in a company in the traditional way and that gives the the startups enough money to be able to do the next uh, stages of their of their roadmap and so that's a very common way since since about 2017 um you might have heard of the uh initial coin offerings ICO which was uh, very popular in 2017 and people raised you know from modest amounts to huge amounts of money the biggest token raise was uh, 4.2 billion dollars by EOS block 1 um and so people are still doing um these token raises now uh using blockchain and its various affordances but you know there are others who are going the traditional route and they're getting investment um in the same way as um the traditional investments into startups but what we're also seeing because you know blockchain's really all around networks and communities so what we're also seeing is um people experimenting with getting communities let's just say let's use the agritech example so people who are involved in agritech let's say there could be you know 20,000 or 100,000 people involved in agritech and creating an an investment community around those people and allowing them to review new startups coming through and invest in the startups within their community so um this is a new model that's being experimented with at the moment so what what they do is they onboard communities so like agritech um and then they use the community to provide the deal flow and to review the projects and then they give them an opportunity to invest in the projects so it's kind of a really interesting way of um getting your analysis done having experts looking at at the new projects coming through 
Right. So I, I'm I'm going to probe on on that a little bit deeper. That there is Scott Galloway, you know, who 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 says that uh, this decentralization is nothing but a recentralization of sorts, because the VCs always run the game. You know, they are the ones who who invest in these Web three or metaverse startups, and 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 the metaverse, the ethos itself is is very very cool. You know, because so far all of our businesses have have run on a top down uh, hierarchical centralized manner now these web trio blockchain companies cryptocurrency exchanges you know these entrepreneurs say that they're going to take us from a world from a centralized to a decentralized world and it, it we're going to take us from uh, a world which has been run in a very hierarchical manner to uh, opaque manner to a world which is you know open transparent but you know i mean most of these entrepreneurs i mean these blockchain entrepreneurs or, or the ones who are vested in it like there there is these things called whales as in you know there's there's at, at least maybe 2% of the entire investors in in the nfts or or the cryptocurrencies happen to be these whales the, they own almost 90% of the entire uh, cryptocurrency or, or the virtual digital assets or, or the a- nfts uh, is this just a narrative because we we as a common man we are really looking forward to this technology called blockchain which says that it's it's a trust based technology and it's going to take us from that little that opaque uh, functioning world to uh, a transparent world are we over expecting out of this technology it is some or is it something which is just uh, old packaged in a new thing is it like an advertisement gimmick like you know diamonds are a girl's best friend uh, since you've been invested in this would you like to shine light on it look i think it's an interesting question and and to an extent you're correct but the fact that there's um that there's challenges doesn't mean that the spirit and philosophy of decentralization is wrong. So you're quite correct. And on certain projects, you have, you know, the majority of the tokens are owned by one or two people who have the capacity to, to basically control what's going on. But my interest, frankly, is less in the speculative tokens, but more in the underlying technology and how it can be applied to solve social problems. And I think, you know, remember that, uh, you know, not blockchain, but Bitcoin came out of post-financial crisis when people were angry at the government, people were angry at the banks and they wanted to create something that would allow this exchange of value that didn't require governments or banks to do. So there was a bit of a libertarian anarchistic kind of philosophy in the beginning, um, you know, when blockchain got going. But I think it's come a long way. Uh, You still have some people who are who are sort of passionately and boldly and almost religiously preaching decentralization but i think that there's also a lot of people who are more in the middle who are saying how can we use this tool to actually build systems and do things that are going to help solve some of the problems that we've had in whether it's in healthcare or supply chain or identity and so forth and so there's lots of people who are building really, really interesting and long-term projects that will benefit society. But having said that, to your point about decentralization, it's very mixed because a lot of the blockchains, for example, if you know banks and healthcare um, providers are going to use blockchains, they, they probably won't use public blockchains because um, of the need for security and 
um, controlling the information flows. And so they'll probably use private or consortium blockchains, but that's not saying it's wrong. It's just people are going to use what works for them considering whatever their needs are. But there's tremendous benefit for use of blockchain in secure data exchange in healthcare, for example. Um, so I think we, we have ranges of decentralization. Um, a lot of people probably are misleading about decentralization because there's always points of centralization. The protocol is a point of centralization. The people who run the nodes or servers in a way have more control over the system than, than the token holders. So, um, you know, I think there's work to be done and there's certainly academics and researchers unpicking this and trying to get clarity and transparency about you know, what is and isn't decentralized and also trying to solve these problems where if you have a decentralized autonomous organization, but one person, the tokens are given out in such a way as the majority token holder can um, entirely influence that DAO. And, and people are saying, well, that's not the spirit. How do we think I'll come up with another governance mechanism so that doesn't happen? So I would say it's a young industry. Um, people are realizing problems all the time and are working to solve them. Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we're in such an interesting space because I think the first time in human history, we are challenging the norms and, and, and we are completely relooking at things, you know, trying to correct the wrongs. You know, we, we here we are trying to see that, OK, the, the banking industry had a problem. So can we build a banking industry without the banks? That's cryptocurrency. We, we, we're saying that, okay, these top-down uh, organizations, the way they function with the politics and stuff, it's not the most apt. So can we uh, build decentralized or autonomous organizations, which is run by code rather than humans? But there also there are humans who are trying to get into the loop. Then then we have uh, the entire Web 2.0, which has been fun functioned all the businesses, you know, it's, it's functioned in a profit at any cost manner. And now he's saying, we we'll, we can we go from centralization to decentralization, where to oh, opaqueness to transparent. So, oh, oh, you know, through the metaverse and Web3. So all of these, they are extremely cool. They, they sound so very nice. And I guess maybe eventually, I hope that while we are at it, while we are learning and building businesses, we actually go towards those ethos rather than you know being stuck in in in, in the midway but i think we are in an exciting space so uh, someone who's been invested in, in leveraging blockchain for solving social problem what do you think are the main challenges that you have faced and what are the opportunities you think if you looked at in a proper lens could create huge global transformation? Look, I think the challenges mostly is around a lack of understanding by people of what's going on with technology and also uh, sort of like linear thinking. So we grew up thinking things were centralised and that that's the way the world works. And this challenges our thinking and people still talk about digitalization to digitalize a process that they're now doing manually. That's not what transformation is about. Transformation is like completely rethinking industries and ways of doing things. And, you know, I, I always say, you know, this is a Steve Jobs moment where he was imagining a day that you could hold a computer in the palm of your hand, which, of course, we all do now. Um, and, and I think it's 
finding the people who can articulate what this future possibility could be, getting them to decision makers so that they can share that with them and help them understand how they could um, accelerate or incubate or enable that to happen at a larger scale. And then of course, um, regulators need to be brought along as well because they're worried obviously about this, they're worried about money laundering and terrorist financing and consumer protection. Um, and so, you know, trusted people need to be able to go and work with regulators and help them think about how they can enable this, these digital technologies to be used, but also consider how to protect consumers. Um, and then, you know, moving on to another topic that I'm interested in is, you know, the ethics of what we're building and how we're building it, because there, there are a lot of things to think about. For example, if we're moving um, more and more things into the metaverse, um, you know, do avatars have human rights? What happens if someone kills your avatar? How do you protect children in the metaverse? Um, when you're in the metaverse and your, your, your physiological responses through wearables and so forth are being tracked in whatever metaverse that you're in, they're going to have more data on someone's going to have more data on you than anyone's ever had before. And what do we think about that? And how do we protect the use of that data, for example? So there's a lot of questions um, that are yet to be asked. But my view is we don't stop innovating while we ask those questions. We make sure that we're asking those questions and that we're working with the technologists and we're thinking about things like computer software engineers are not taught about ethics. So how do we give them the knowledge to think about the ethics of what they're building in their algorithms? And, you know, those kinds of things. So I think everyone needs to be engaged in thinking about how we use this incredible technology to make our world better and to protect people. And I think that we need governments, we need researchers, we need the technologists, we need, you know, people who are going to use the technology. We especially need the young people because they're the ones who've got all these amazing ideas and they can see how this can uh, change things. And they're the ones who are going to be living with the consequences of what we're doing at the moment. So, you know, I think there's room for massive collaboration from so many people. Um, and then it, it just takes, it'll take one government. I mean, if you use, for example, uh, Estonia, which is a very small country, but, but they were a very small, poor country when they came out from under communism and they gave themselves a, you know, a 10 to 15 year roadmap to become a digital economy. And that's one of the most impressive case studies in the world. So, you know, you need a, obviously a bigger country to take a leaf out of their book and to just show. And I think, you know, you, you're seeing incredible transformation that's take, taken place in um, China and Korea and uh, Vietnam. I mean, I think that the, the, the growth and the transformation we're going to see in Asia probably more than anywhere else. Right. I, I think you bang on. I mean, because I think China is doing some really, really amazing thing. Estonia has done so much amazing thing. I, I think, you know, at times it's so very simple. You know, you see these small na nations, you know, doing stuff, you know, emulate that. You know, Estonia has actually shown the importance of going, you know, being a digital first. Singapore has shown an example of, you know, a car light policy and what it does, you know, the wonders to, to, 
the 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 environment in the country so i mean you know it, it, it's about taking a proactive approach and saying rather than playing a wait and watch game you know uh, you know emulating those nations because the examples are uh, right over there and understanding that you know what's been wrong and trying to correct because you rightfully mentioned we need to take the youth and they are the ones who are more brave and they they are you know raising these deep questions like you know we've, the, the narrative today is, is that you know the, the cryptocurrency uh, is extremely volatile most of the money laundering happens over there but but the opposite is the truth you know the banking industry there's something called as fincen files which really really shows highlights that almost all of the top banking uh, banks are deeply deeply involved in money laundering fi- fin- uh, financing uh, uh, yeah or a fossil fuel industry and so on and so forth so so i think you know that there we need to ask deeper questions and i guess that's that's not been happening and unless until we don't break out from the mode of a capitalistic uh, profit at any cost uh, you know functioning businesses i don't think we'll move to the future because anyway in the next couple of decades machines are going to get so intelligent that they'll be uh, or creating automation they'll be creating most of a human jobs i'm not saying machines i mean yeah obviously we'll uh, you know there will always be a human in the loop but in that world we need to be a little bit more conscious about where we want to shape a a a world now you are uh, the writer of author of blockchain technology for global social change block changing the world and applied ethics in in, in a digital world would, would you like to summarize each of these books so maybe my listeners can you know understand those books and i'll definitely leave the links behind for those who want to just go and you know pick up the books oh thank you and i'm i'm actually working now on a book on web3 so um if if people are interested look what 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 i really try to do is to make the information digestible for people who want to learn about it because when i started um talking about blockchain for social change in 2016 2017 not many people were thinking about that at that time and uh you know i i often would be talking about it and people would come up to me afterwards they go oh you know i never thought about that i didn't realize and and so i thought that there was just a place to be able to say to people look this is this is the sort of change that's taking place in our society this is the kind of changes that you could hope for um if blockchain becomes widespread around you know the democratization and and access and so forth and here's some chapters that tell you you know how is it being used for financial inclusion how is it being used in humanitarian settings how is it being used in healthcare and so forth and just trying to you know simply explain to the readers you know why this is important and who's using it using you know what we knew at the time um block changing the world was just really more it's a personal story of my journey because obviously you know i completely pivoted my entire life um in 2017 from having been in healthcare all my life and and uh, uh, having my consulting firm to just throwing myself into this technology because because I really believe that um you know if I could have an impact by getting behind it and talking to people about it and then the ethics one was um with uh, Dr Ingrid Vasily Feltes um we'd been doing during the pandemic uh, a series 
of webinars on digital ethics. And then we, we just thought, look, you know, there's so many aspects to this that are important. Um, let's invite, you know, different people, mainly that we'd already had on our webinars to contribute a chapter so people can, you know, similarly start thinking about, um, you know, digital ethics in children, digital ethics in healthcare, in business, with, in blockchain, I wrote the chapter on blockchain. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a new and emerging field and not a lot is known about it. So it was, again, what knowledge can we put out um, that people can access and look at? And then similarly with the Web3 book, it's really that because most people have very little idea what Web3 is all about. And so it's, you know, just trying to simplify that, help people understand the different pieces of it and why it could be important and how it's going to be used in different industries. So I just think there's a there's a huge opportunity for education, um, but not that's why I, I balked at the explain blockchain question because people don't have to understand blockchain. They have to understand what it can do for them and how it can solve problems for them. Um, I don't know how the internet works, but it does amazing things for me, so I'm happy. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for making it so simple because I guess that's the way it is. You know, I mean, today we have a computer in a pocket, a phone, you know, and, and we do no longer call it a technology, you know, because that's uh, what it's become, you know, it's become ubiquitous. And I hope that, you know, nobody talks about the, the tech stack behind it, but how it's uh, helping them create a better business or better life. Uh, would, you, would you like to kind of, you know, give a brief glimpse on the new book, The Web Trio? And, and since you advise for the World Health Organization, and you, you've been in the healthcare uh, business. Would, would you like to share some real-world applications of you know blockchain with healthcare? Well, absolutely. And uh, you know, I want to I want to go to the metaverse because I think this this is going to be um, very important in healthcare. So, I mean, blockchain is a critical underpinning of Web three and the metaverse because it it allows that exchange of value, but I think that the thing about the metaverse in healthcare, so let me just talk you through why I think it's going to be important. So first of all, um, we tend to live in a rather hospital-based kind of system where people go somewhere to get healthcare. Um, and this is unsustainable, it's unaffordable, and we don't have enough um, health workers to continue to deliver care in that way. And it's not always necessary. So, so let's just start with, um, scientific discovery. So in, in healthcare, whether you're inventing a new form of surgery or whether you're testing a, you know, a new hospital or medical facility, um, or whether you're doing drug discovery, it takes global collaboration to do that. And, and what, what happens traditionally is that you know, 50 people get flown on a plane to somewhere like Geneva, and maybe they spend three or four days collaborating and talking about things, and then they fly off again. Um, that is expensive and it's not continuous. With, with a metaverse environment, people will be able to collaborate from all over the world with you know, humanoid avatars going in there, talking, sharing, doing PowerPoint presentations, drawing on whiteboards, looking at digital twins um, of a human body or of a facility or whatever it is that they're working on and have this kind of continuous collaboration without the need for physical facilities. So that's one. The second one really important, and this is not just healthcare, is education. So education in the metaverse 
and particularly um, coupled with gaming is going to transform the way students learn. So in healthcare, for example, you know, the medical student will be able to take a tour inside the human body and see every organ and every artery. Um, they'll be able to conduct surgery as if they were the surgeon doing the operation and they'll never kill a patient. You know, there's so many opportunities and you can still, you can do the, you know, the learn to earn, the gamification and the reward for people who are learning and uh, also monitor their skills levels a, a lot more precisely. Um, in, in actual clinical care, similarly, the surgeon is going to be able to have an overlay uh, of a scan of the patient while operating on the patient to allow incredible precision in the work in the operating theatre. Um, I think in uh, preventive care, uh, in mental health for the elderly, it's going to open a whole new world of possibilities. Um, so in health, wellness and fitness, uh, there's already quite a number of these games which are like exercise to earn. Um, sweat coin is one, Geno Pets is another. So the way that you earn in the games is you have to do exercise and they track that with wearables. Um, similarly, I'm sure with diet, it's going to be possible to incentivize people to have better and healthier diets. For people who are socially isolated, it's going to enable them to come into the metaverse and um, interact with others, either with their same problems or just a social group um, to help with their social isolation. The elderly who are bedridden will be able to go on tours to ancient Mesopotamia and entertain themselves in ways that haven't been possible before. Um, you know, so I think that there's a tremendous amount of application, but it also means that you can extend what can be done, like avatars can triage the, the less serious patients, for example, and then refer them to, you know, a, a doctor or a nurse as needed. So there's just a lot of opportunity and possibilities um, in this area. And as I said, in India, Apollo Hospitals Group are already collaborating with one of the game companies to look at it. And I'm sure we're going to see more innovation um, coming in healthcare and, and in India in particular. Yes, I've been a, a proponent of, uh, of uh, Metaverse and be invested in this for the longest time. I think it's going to create huge, huge uh, transformation. And and I also believe that geography is, is uh, going to be history. And that's the reason I moved from Bombay City to Goa. Uh, and so you have also moved from Australia to Dubai. Now, because of in India's uh, policies and re regulation, there's a lot of startups who are moving from India to Dubai. And, and there are a lot of global startups all, also moving to Dubai. So could you share your views on Dubai as a nation, its policies towards Web3 metaverse? And, and what would you advise those entrepreneurs, startups who, who, who don't really believe being stuck in a geography and believe that, you know, we are getting into a world which is open and so you could function out of anywhere? Yeah, well, I, look, I think Dubai is an absolutely incredible place. The, the government has such vision and is so proactive about supporting its vision around technology and the metaverse and blockchain and startups. There, there's a lot of encouragement. There's investment. There's just an atmosphere of excitement and people having a go and trying to be successful. So, you know, I think it's an, an incredible place for technology startups. Um, and it's an incredible place to learn because this is really 
a conference center of the world. So almost during the cooler season, every week you can go to a blockchain, AI, metaverse, anything you want to learn about conference. And nearly all of the thought leaders in the world pass through here at some stage. So you have the opportunity to learn so much by being here. So um, this is a great place for startups to come. The government's got, I think, 100,000 golden visas for software developers, and there are various other incentive packages that they're offering, you know, to get companies to come and set up in Dubai. And, you know, they are open to all sorts of ideas about the future. And I think, but I think it's, I think it's that thing that they didn't have legacy systems. So, you know, this was a desert place 50 years ago. And so they've had the good fortune of being able to kind of build a new world without um, legacy systems inhibiting them. Um, but, you know, I just think that there is such vision here and such opportunity. It's an incredible place to come. To your point about where you are, you're absolutely right. I was talking to a, a startup here last night at, at an event that I was at, and, and they were going, well, some of our team are here, some of our team are in China, some of our team are in Serbia, some of our team are in Singapore. You know, they've just got people all around the world because we have, anyway, we really learned to collaborate online during the pandemic and people are now just used to working with distributed teams. So I think you can be anywhere, but there's a lot to be said for being in a place like this where there's such a vibrant, encouraging community that you can meet people and, you know, everyone's struggling through the same thing and some people are having successes, but everyone's trying and everyone's having ideas. So I love it here. I think it's an incredible place. Lovely. Uh, thank you, Dr. Really appreciate you taking time being part of the podcast. My last question to you, A any strategic advice you can share to those entrepreneurs, you know, to be future ready and build a, a, a good business. And my second question, could you paint a picture of what the world could look like in 10 years with blockchain specifically as a technology? Uh, yeah, okay. So, you know, look, I think for, I think for the entrepreneurs, I think it's just like, let your imagination go free. For, for me, the exciting things are, you know, because you're talking about jobs, there will be jobs in the future, but they'll be really different sorts of jobs. So, you know, try and think about what, what you can build to take us into that future and to create these new economies. But, you know, you've got to solve a problem. So I think for startups, you know, don't, I know there are some that just make money immediately. Most startups, it's hard work and you have to be resilient and you have to persist and you have to follow your dream even when you, you know, you're down to your last $20 or something like that. So, you know, I think if you, if you have a dream, follow it because the worst thing that can happen is that you fail. And even if you fail, you'll have learned a lot of lessons. And so the next time you go, you're going to be doing it a lot better. Um, you know, in terms of the, the world, I think that's a really big question, you know, because you alluded to the fact that geography is no longer important. So we're going to have effectively these virtual nations of people with millions or even billions of members who are coming together around a, an issue that they're interested in. But I just hope that we move away from this, this greed economy, which is just all about growth and making the rich richer. 
and that we think about putting people first, we think about inequality, and we think about you know, the planet that we all live on and that we, we distribute wealth and benefit much more easily. And I think that you know, technology is going to enable us to do that, but it does mean that the, there are people in the world who might not have so much in order to give others a little bit more, but I think it's a better world if we can achieve that. Doctor, really, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. Yes, I think we're in an exciting space, like I mentioned earlier into the conversation, you know, there are these entrepreneurs who are trying to build money without the banking industry. There are these entrepreneurs who are trying to, you know, build businesses without its opaqueness, you know, which is more transparent. There are those entrepreneurs who are trying to build organizations which will be running, run by code eventually. But I think I'm what I'm most excited about is this world, this virtual world, metaverse, because because here we are, we are trying to build a virtual world without governments, without a top top down hierarchical approach, you know, where people can do whatever they want to do, they can, you know, go beyond and, and that's, that's really excite, that's what excites me and I guess, you know, everyone can participate in that if, if you, and the only way you can do that is by being a lifelong learner, breaking away from your barriers, your veils that's covered, you know, for the longest time and asking deep questions. That's the reason I do this podcast, you know, through this, I hope to nudge those curious lost, who, curious lot who ask those brave question and say okay this is possible you know and and that's the reason i do it so really appreciate you taking time being part of the podcast it was a complete learning experience for me uh, for for me and i'm sure it'll be for all the listeners wish you the very best for your new book i'll be looking forward for the new book and, and to my listeners if you like what you see in here then please press the subscribe button until next time see you guys bye bye thank you thank you doctor really appreciate this thank you for what you're doing it's wonderful great to meet you <laughs>